0: A has been who sleeps with old ladies for money. An accountant that's a man child. Springtime for Hitler. All this can only mean one thing. We're comparing the producers on this episode of Retro vs. Remake. Parker And I'm Dan Bulick. Welcome to another episode of Retro, Retro vs. Remake. remake. This is the series where we discuss films and their remake. Join us as we explore the question should this remake exist? Today's films are The Producers. And we're going to jump right into it. The original producer is made in 1967, starring Zero Mostel, Gene Wilder, Dick Shawn Christopher Hewitt, Kenneth Mars, and Lee Meredith, directed by Mel Brooks. Screenplay by Mel Brooks. Music by John Morris and words by Mel Brooks. He had a heavy hand in this one. Producers 2005, starring Nathan Lane, Matthew Broderick, Uma Thurman, Will Ferrell, Gary Beach, and Roger Bart. Directed by Susan Stroman, who also was the director of the Broadway show. Screenplay by Mel Brooks and Thomas Meehan Music by Mel Brooks and Basil All Alright, and just before we get into our experiences I just want to say the original was a comedy, a film And then the remake is based off of the Broadway show That is based on the original film So there's slight different genres, kinda, we're comparing here Kinda Anyways, Reggie, what is your first experience with
1: either film? Watching um, either film in full, that would be uh, for this podcast. Nice. The producers, you know, of course I'm aware of, of it and it's uh influence on pop culture. I just never got around to actually watching the whole thing. Remake, I remember when it came out, but I, I know I didn't go to see it. Probably because it was just like a musical. And I felt like other musicals at the time probably... We did a lot of that, like Moulin Rouge and stuff like that, so it wasn't really my favorite genre at the time, so I skipped it.
0: My first experience with the producers has to be Curb Your Enthusiasm. I don't know if you watched Curb, but there was a whole season where Larry was cast by Mel Brooks to be Max Bialystok. I had never seen the producers. I had heard that it was a Broadway show, but that was my first experience with the producers. And I think it was because of that that I went back and watched the original and then eventually the remake, both on DVD. I didn't see the remake in theaters. So a lot of my knowledge of this really comes from that whole season of Curb. Huge Curb fan, and uh, it's a great season, and it it's a little weak because they get a little lazy. They kind of just do what the producer's storyline does, but uh, it's great, great series. <laughs> so these are kind of, this is weird, because they're different kind of genres. One's st- straight up a comedy, one's definitely a musical, but they're kind of the same (laughs) it's just like the remake is just the original just with some added musical numbers in it pretty much before we get to our comparison i will go over a synopsis here we go max bialystok is a has-been broadway producer while he may have been a name once now he just makes flops and has to sleep with elderly women to get funding one day accountant leo bloom shows up to audit him after learning leo is crazy max convinces him to cook the books a little while doing this, Leo discovers a producer can make more money from a flop than a hit. The scheme would be to raise millions for a play that only costs thousands. Once the play is a flop, they keep the rest of the money, and the IRS doesn't look into it since it was a flop. Max loves the idea, but it takes some effort to convince Leo. Then they look for the worst play ever, and they choose *Springtime for Hitler*, a gay romp with Adolf and Eva at Birkenau Garden. The duo then convince the writer, Franz Liebkin let them make their play. They then go to flamboyant director Roger Debris and his assistant Carmen to do the same. The pieces are in place, and now Max just has to raise money by sleeping with lots and lots and lots of elderly women. Around this time, we are also introduced to Ula, who works for our duo. When opening night arrives, Max and Leo are excited. People start walking out immediately during the first song. The show seems to be a flop when Hitler arrives. He is completely comical by accident, and the crowd loves it. The show then becomes a big hit. Max and Leo are in trouble. No way can they pay all their backers back, and they will go to jail. Franz is furious about this debut. He tries to shoot Leo and Max, but they ultimately live. Eventually, Max and Leo are sentenced to jail, and in jail, they are still scamming all over with their new Broadway hit, prisoners of love the end so pretty much the same it's uh things got a little bit different um with the introduction of ula and then the ending but uh i think we're gonna get into that with our comparison and since i said before these pictures are pretty much the same except that the remake just has all these extra musical numbers i think we should save that for the maybe towards the later part of our comparison i think maybe we'll start with the characters
1: yeah i think that's A fair place to start, especially considering the musical aspect starts to make these films different. But let's talk about similar characters. Uh, Max Bielestock. In the 1967 version, he was played by Zero Mastel. And um, in the remake, it's Nathan Lane. I started with the original in terms of my watch. What struck me from Zero's portrayal immediately was just, it's such a unique character. Like, he's this boisterous guy like physically like a lot of the physical comedy that he's able to pull off with his hair and his appearance and things along those lines like he's instantly recognizable character they just drop you right into his circumstances they don't explain anything you just Mm -hmm. this is a day in the life of max (laughs) bielstead hooking up with an old lady (laughs) and um talking about you know the old days
0: there are uh, various scenarios that they play out which is Pretty gross. Yeah, he's he's an interesting character because there's not much, so many redeeming qualities to Max Piala's dog. Right. Uh, he's just washed up old has been. He's physically not very not healthy. He's got that terrible comb over. He's taking advantage of all these old ladies. You could say they're taking advantage of him, <laughs> but uh, he's definitely just in it for the money. He's interesting. <laughs> I'll, yeah. I'll leave it at that.
1: Well, I think um, I think you picked up on. Something that is interesting about the character is that, on paper, there's nothing likable about him. Whether it's taking money from old ladies, whether it's taking advantage of Leo, the fraud. (laughs) (laughs) um, A lot of it just, he shouldn't be likable on any level. But there's just something about this portrayal that, even with all his flaws, I think the comedy is what shines through. You're not really focused on the bad things that he's doing. It's the funny way in which he's doing them. And I think by, to your point, too, with the old ladies, like, you could kind of make an argument of who's taking advantage of who in, in the scenario. And I think that ambiguity with this particular type of uh, fraud actually gives us space to actually want to get behind the character in a way that I think is really, really hard to pull off. And that's sort of my take on it, that Zero Masto is very early on able to take this terrible person, make him a fun character. And that, there's some comedic genius to that.
0: That's true. I guess because you have Leo, I'll talk to him in a second, who's kind of crazy. So we're, we're kind of torn between this kind of evil guy who's taking advantage of old ladies and this kind of crazy guy. And then the, uh, the evil guy's kind of talking to us like we're his buddies. So I guess we're kind of, right. because of Leo, we're kind of uh, relating to Max
1: more. I think, I think you're 100% right that, that Leo play, if you don't have this ultra-innocent character which is basically what Leo is. He's naive, childish, like you said, a little bit crazy, maybe a lot of bit crazy. A lot of bit, a lot lot of (laughs) bit. A lot of bit. Like, that guy barely functions as a human adult. (laughs) And Max Bielsa barely functions as a human adult for (laughs) different reasons. Basically, he's incompetent in a way of, like, he's just never been able to recapture the old days. And Leo just never was there. And the two pairing up together... You take that ultimate naive character and this kind of like schemer who's had better days, and it is a fun dynamic. But
0: But, uh, just I guess going back to Max and the portrayals between Zero and Nathan Lane, I think they both did a pretty good job. You know, like what you said before, they have to be this pretty terrible person, but still likable, and then we still have to be able to laugh at his jokes. And I think... Both were pretty good. I think Zero is a little more disheveled looking uh, <laughs> at comb-overs. Just, what, what are you doing, man? Just, just let it go at that point. Nathan Lane even shaved his head for the role so he could have a, more of a comb-over. And uh, there's not much of a difference when it comes to the two character portrayals. There's, uh, Nathan Lane wasn't necessarily giving much more to do nah. um, in his role. But I still think he did a pretty good job, too.
1: I think he does a good job. Clearly, the plan from that film is to sort of get as close to the zero portrayal as possible while still in the context of a musical. And mm-hmm. you can't fault Nathan Lane at all for his portrayal. I think it's a, like you said, I think it's a very good portrayal of this character. For me, however, the the Max Bielerstock that we're introduced to, that more disheveled, that more sort of believably kind of skeezy, uh, muscle, um, take on it. It, it's the original, it's iconic, and because Nathan is basically tasked with emulating that, uh, I give the edge out to the original, but both, um, pretty good portrayals to your point.
0: Yeah. Um, I guess the only th- reason, like, I, th- I kind of agree with you. I think Zero looks a little more disheveled. It's like, I've never seen him in anything, you know, I've seen Nathan Lane in plenty of things. Right. So I, I'm pretty familiar with like, he's just kind of shtick. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so I <laughs> this this unknown is definitely a lot more like skeezier yeah. than Nathan Lane, who's does who's not necessarily skeezy, um, uh, but definitely portraying the role pretty well. So I'm gonna I'm gonna do I'm gonna kinda cop out here and give it a tie because uh I don't know. I, I think Nathan Lane really did a good job. He didn't like do anything to like elevate um right. the role, but he certainly didn't do anything to to make it worse and it wasn't like the whole time it's like oh man this is you know he's, he's nothing compared to zero i was never i wasn't saying that the whole time he was up so uh i enjoyed both of their portrayals and i i can't really pick a winner so sorry internet no, no. <laughs> i'm gonna go with the
1: tie and then the portrayal i don't i don't mind that tie um actually what stops it from being a tie for me is actually the leo character in the remake i think mm. matthew broderick There's some variances, and we'll get into them, but uh, to an extent, I think Matthew Broderick's Gene Wilder feels closer to the Gene Wilder in terms of uh, just, like, the speaking pattern, I would say, more so. Um, I think both of them really nail it. Broderick felt a little bit closer to Wilder, to me, um, in behavior. So Mm -hmm. that backdrop made the, um, the Zero portrayal by Nathan Lane, which is fun. It just felt a little bit less like... That original character which I think actually is probably a smart play
0: yeah that's that's kind of what I like about it because it it doesn't I don't feel like he was trying to do what the old uh, portrayal was like Nathan Lane definitely brought his own flair to it yeah so um, he was still able to be true to the character well without having to be sort of this copy right which is kind of my uh, problem with Matthew Broderick's portrayal
1: yeah yeah (laughs) see that's the thing like I do I do personally play with both sides of it where I like that Broderick. It sort of shows his range and his ability to emulate Gene Wilder mm-hmm. so, so perfectly. In I would say not the physical aspect of the comedy, but from the speaking part of it, I think it's pretty close. But I think Nathan Lane is the more overall well-rounded because I think you're right; he gets to go off in his own space. Still giving the edge to zero, but it's it's close. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, you know. I, I don't dis- that's fun. I don't disagree with your tie, is what I'm saying. No,
0: that's fair enough. Yeah, I think these character comparisons are going to be kind of quick because there's not much different. Yeah. Um, but let's go on to Leo, uh, we already said. So we have Gene Wilder as our original Leo, and Matthew Broderick is our Leo in the remake. And I'll just start with what I kind of said. I did feel like like Gene Wilder doing Gene Wilder does, right? It's great. And then I did feel like, coming back to your point, like it was Matthew Broderick doing Gene Wilder. Yes. So that took me out of it a little bit. While I appreciated um, seeing that, and I thought you know he did a fair enough job, but he's he's not really making it his own. So it, for me, it just felt like a copy yes. the whole time.
1: Yeah, and I'll say that Gene Wilder's physical comedy is better. You know, um, mm-hmm. it just is. Case in point, it, when we were talking about Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, that little role in that movie, the mm-hmm. forward role he does is. It stuck with me. And a lot of the ways that Gene Wilder works is because he makes these choices that are seemingly innocuous, but, you know, through Mm. the lens of acting, it's like, wow. Like, when he's he's got the blue blanket, because they both were obsessed with their blanket, the Wilder one just feels more natural to me. Whereas, again, it does feel like Matthew Broderick is trying to look like Gene Wilder with the blanket, but it just didn't feel the same to me personally i think as you were saying i think gene wilder's portrayal just it can't be matched to me like gene is just the more believable character matthew broderick is doing a copy and when it comes to the physical that one-to-one just doesn't match so wilder's leo is the stronger leo for me they help broderick out with fleshing out the character a little bit more Mm -hmm. but even with that i'm still leaning towards towards uh gene
0: i sort of saw some differences in their interpretations mm-hmm. i don't know like they both obviously were crazy mm-hmm. but kind of like i felt like wilder was like almost schizophrenic in his portrayal it was like he sort of come across as mature and then he'd go into this like childish rage and then he'd kind of come back as to like oh i'm just an adult man but like for matthew broderick he, i kind of felt like he was just stuck in that sort of arrest development like he was he never came to a, like a maturity um, when all when all the hysteria like was down. Mm. Like I guess he just seemed a little more boyish. Um, and Matthew Roderick just looks like a 40 year old boy, <laughs> so that might help the reason I think that. And then just um, I guess because they do also draw out his character more. They won't we'll get to this with Ula, but you know he has a love a love interest in this one, and uh, just the way he approaches that, he just kind of. Like a, almost like a boy uh, as well. Like, we're just holding hands and kissing kind of a thing is what he says. Um, so, I guess he felt a little more boyish. Is it better or is it worse? Mm-hmm.
1: I don't know. <laughs> I
0: could take it or leave it. But I, he was able to do a little bit more with Leo than uh, Nathan was able to do with Max.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I, and I think that part of it does come down to some smart writing choices uh you know like the Ula character in the first film sort of ties more into max which i think could be yeah. part of the reason that i'm uh i'm happier with that original portrayal because mm-hmm. Ula's is really just another example of him being uh sketchy uh yeah that's a good point you know whereas Ula and i guess we're kind of talking about this character already uh it's hard. It's hard to unwrap everything, but yeah, <laughs> Ula in the remake. We'll talk about what aspects she gets on her own, but like she actually serves the Leo character, uh, sort of arc a little mm-hmm. bit more, by a little bit. I mean a lot more because yeah. of their relationship. So I think that you take some of that, some of that exposition off of stuck and you put it into Leo Bloom, and I think that it does give you that combination of what you're talking about where. Uh, he's just able to do more of the character because there's more to do.
0: Yeah, I mean, we, we can just, in case we want to go there, we'll just talk about who Ula was portrayed by. In the original is portrayed by Lee Meredith, and the remake Umar Thurman. Um, I think talking about her would help us get into Leo a little bit more. Sure. So we could talk about how she's different in both movies. Like you'd said in the original, she's more there to serve Max. Max got all the money from sleeping with all those old ladies, so he's like, I'm going to spend a little bit on a, what did he say, toy or something?
1: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> toys. <laughs> something like that. You know, and, and he was talking about more than just uh, more than just her, you know, maybe the office and some other things, but yes. <laughs> uh,
0: so he spends money on her just to be like their sexy receptionist who dances at the drop of a hat and <laughs> sleeps with Max regularly <laughs> yeah. in the original, which is kind of pretty funny and it's sad that it's kind of gone from the remake but instead they went a different route in the remake and instead of just being a receptionist she's also going to be the lead actress and the love interest for leo bloom matthew Broderick's leo bloom so those are the differences with the Ula.
1: yeah i think you have to do that Ula in the original film is sort of like a joke character mm-hmm. she doesn't speak english and it's absurd that max wants her to be the receptionist despite her lack of ability to speak the common language um but but ula dance she does dance uh she she works <laughs> which uh hey i can i can appreciate i guess um, but but yeah no ula is there because she's in the original film because she's got like a rocking body and um mm-hmm. you know it, of course, the producers want to sleep with her. You know, that, <laughs> that's the character. I I think in a remake, it's necessary and also smart to flesh her out. Because um, when you think about it, in the context of this was for a Broadway adaptation, you're not just gonna bring a character just to do that. You know? Um, yeah. And if you, plus there's like no
0: strong female there's, leads there's, in the original, there's none. So you have to <laughs> draw out one, and the only real female lead. Except for "Hold Me, Touch Me" or whatever yeah. is uh, our Ula character.
1: I think I think it's completely necessary because if you want people outside the context, of even this movie itself, but if you want people to go see your like Broadway play, the the women are gonna need something to cling on to uh, <laughs> other than you know just the receptionist that shakes her <laughs> boobs. I mean, it's kind of it. But um, no, I I appreciate the Ula flesh out. It does sh- strike me in a similar way that. That um, at times the portrayal feels kind of like I'm just trying to say at times the portrayal feels like I don't know what the rules are like if she yeah. does she know how to speak English does she not know how to speak English like what's what's the deal with her
0: yeah it's almost like I'll, I'll agree with you I agree that they attempted to you know flesh out her character more but it does feel like what is exactly her character there for, you know? Like, um, is she there just to be their eye candy, which isn't kind of addressed again? Is she there to create this rift between Leo and Max, which is what you think in the first place? Or is she there just to sort of take advantage of Leo at one point, you know, get him to steal the money? So while it's good that you try to flesh out these characters, not having, I guess, a point to them could be a problem. And I don't really know what she was there for. Uh,
1: yeah, right. Because you start out with the receptionist thing. Mm-hmm. All right. So at one second she's a the receptionist. Then she's going to be an actress in the play.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then she's also the producer's girlfriend. And yeah. In this case, they kind of switch the producer's girlfriend. That it is, I guess. But it it just you don't use enough Uma Thurman. And by making her this character that, like, barely is able to speak, you know, depending on the situation, really, whenever the, the comedy chooses to make her not good at English, um, and then they make her good at English when they need to, like, get another point across. it just, it's not, it's not consistent, and yeah. it, creates, it creates a confusion for what should have been a pretty strong character in the film, and still is, but just, there's, there's a lot of gaps in the portrayal.
0: I thought she could have been a little bit stronger. She's definitely sort of a... For the most part, she's a reactionary character until after the play where she's like, okay, well, you, we, you steal the money, and we go. like That's her biggest contribution mm-hmm. I can really think of. And even at that point, it's like, it doesn't matter because Leo just comes back anyway yeah. for reasons. So... I'm going to say this, I'm going to say it now, and I'm probably going to say it a few more times. Mm -hmm. The movie's a little long. It's a little long, Reggie. And uh, it it drags (laughs) us around in these circles sometimes. And it's like, can we just get to the point? And uh, Lulu is one of those characters that just kind of,
1: where are we going with you? Uh,
0: Can we just figure out what we're doing here?
1: Yeah. So, yeah. I know we're going to talk about length um, a bit more. <laughs> um, this is not the last time, but yes, there there are certainly moments in the Ula story arc that could either be pared down, don't go anywhere, and it's a shame because Uma Thurman's a great actress. Oh yeah, she looks fantastic in this film.
0: Yeah, I, I mean she looks great in her musical number. We will get to that. Yep. Um, I do kind of feel a little bit bad for her that she kind of has to shake her tits, and you know she's yeah. been this established actress and just has to. Because it's weird, because you obviously want not just have her be, like, that go-go dancer, like, in the original, but there's still, you know, sort of, there's that sexploitation kind of factor going right. on there. She's just the eye candy. Right. Pretty much. That's, it doesn't get much deeper than that, her role. Right. So I kind of feel a little bit bad for Uma Thurman, who, like, you know, fresh off of Kill Bill, now has to do this.
1: So that, That's fair. And what what kind of throws me off is, and, you know, we're going to talk about music, but when you have the song, like, the flaunted song. It's giving this character this type of agency that mm-hmm. makes you say to yourself, "What's her endgame?" And right. there's there's not really an endgame. I guess you no. could say they took the money and went to Rio, but not like you said, not for long. Um, there's no real indication that she's s- like super smart and trying to like scam these guys. She just kind of yeah. seems to be along for the ride and seemingly really likes um, Leo. So is she scamming leo or does she like leo we, we've got to we've got to lay that out and it's just confusing again
0: yeah it's yeah it was definitely a missed opportunity it would have been much better character arc if she had just taken advantage of leo taken the money and she then she's still in rio and then you know leo just comes back to be with max but uh yeah she started off so strong like with that if you've got it flaunt it you know i, I know my strengths and I'm going to use them to my advantage. Right. And you think she's going to, but then they actually have her fall in love, which is kind of pointless
1: then. Right, right. I mean, is it, is it the best portrayal to have her kind of like hugging Leo, but then like taking his wallet out, you know, stuff like that? Like, no, but I think that would give us a consistency that we would need yeah. for the character to know how to feel about her. I think they want us to like her, but they also, I think the flaunt was intended to be like this sort of empowerment do what you got to do song but it, it it doesn't fit this character uh it doesn't really make sense in the context of the film so uh, uh, better so you know obviously points to the remake in terms of fleshing the character mm-hmm. out but uh, they could have done it in a smarter way
0: yeah i agree i mean it's good that you gave her more to do than just shake her ass mm-hmm. but you didn't give her much more to do right uh so small
1: edge to the remake there yeah. Like, (laughs) I will say this, though, in in Lee Meredith's uh, defense, one, she's barely given a a speaking role, because even when she does speak, no one can understand her. Um, But she does have some funny beats in the film that I think um, we shouldn't just gloss over. Uma Thurman does get to play, but, like, she's there at the end when... um, uh, Franz? Franz, yes, when Franz is trying to kill them, and she gets a funny Mm -hmm. beat there. Oh, yeah. She gets a funny beat with the go to work and she starts dancing again so um although it's a limited and very limiting character lee meredith still finds her shots to you know make her impact on the film
0: yeah it's a one note character but she plays that one note pretty well comedically at times i think so. so i'll give her that yeah it's not just like tits and ass it's mostly that but it's not just that
1: it's mostly that but like the actress is able to you know come across as as competent even when the character itself is is so <laughs> one note like you said
0: mm-hmm.
1: but, so, um slight edge <laughs> like you said slight edge to the region. slight
0: edge what are you gonna do did you want to go back into leo a little bit yeah I, and talk about that or do you think
1: no i think i think that it that is important so since we did talk about the ula character the changes that she makes to leo i I like them until they sort of backtrack on it, you know like when when they start sort of hooking up or whatever it is that they're doing, and Leo's able to get rid of the safety blanket he's able to kind of grow up to an extent because he's better mm-hmm. and then like a couple scenes later they're like, nope, I need it, and he just goes back <laughs> to being the same guy you know i i find I find that to be part of the issue with the film is that if you're going to make these changes, stick with them. Yeah. You you know, you yeah. you're doing your own thing.
0: Exactly. And then it, and if you don't stick with them, then you're going to ask yourself watching this longer version, what was the point of that? Right. Why did I have to sit through that 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 and that if we're just going we were going here the whole time. We could have just went from A to D, but you made A B C and then D. Right. It, it's a big problem with the the remake and leo is just part of it
1: yeah i think i think to your point earlier it would have made sense for there to be more of a riff between leo and max if the uli character was creating tension between them and and leo started kind of quote unquote manning up and you know making his own decisions against max that could have been a fun place to play in and they don't because it's it's there to flesh out the character, but I think it's there because in a Broadway show you need a couple more music acts, and <laughs> I, I think I think they're writing around the music in a way that just, like you said, it starts to detract so, from the actual story.
0: Yeah, it doesn't serve the story at all. It's just musical numbers. Just here's a, another thing that happens, so we have another set piece for another musical number. So we can have another set piece for another musical number, right, right. and we'll get back to plot eventually. Yeah, uh, so. Spoilers—that's a big problem with the remake. <laughs> but
1: we're—it—it it is, it is. I mean, there there are moments where the the extra songs help out certain characters. Again, it's like this addition and subtraction that we often see with these remakes, where making Leo more takes a little bit away from Max, which we haven't gotten to this yet. But like making the writer more takes a little like you—you you don't just if you're taking the same story. And you're adding or taking things away. You're not just adding something. Something's actually, it's like alchemy. Like it's, Something's being lost in this, uh, this equation. And I think, I appreciate what they're trying to do. I think they missed the mark um, with Leo because it just felt like, keep going, keep going. He, yeah. he, he lost the blanket. Don't go back and pick the blanket out of the trash can. That's not what the audience needs from you right now.
0: Yeah, they really they really set up this beautiful thing where it's like, we're going to be partners, partners, right? And nothing's going to stop us. And then you have Ula come in. It's like perfect timing, comedically. So you're like waiting for this rift to happen. And it doesn't really happen until the very end, kind of, right. where Leo decides to go to Rio. And then Max is singing about how he feels betrayed in jail. And then it doesn't even matter because we're going to still end up at the courthouse. And they're still going to be best friends. And nothing really happened to sort of... Yeah Patch it up, or even necessarily create that tension, because the the recipe was there, but we didn't we didn't do anything with it. Right, right.
1: Yeah, just even even the portrayed song. No, given what I've seen in the film, no, you were not betrayed. <laughs> you, you were you were not betrayed. So, um, if anything, he was again trying to take advantage of of Leo and his child childlike nature, and mm-hmm. he got caught. And Leo at the time didn't get caught but because he's the nice guy character for some reason he comes back and yeah. the problem with, with all of that is if you, why why did he come back
0: <laughs> yeah and, i think the problem is at that point the movie was already long enough and they might have been an extra scene to maybe justify why leo came back right. but at that point it's it's over two hours into the movie let's let's wrap it up right. so I don't know if there was a deleted scene i I, th- I like to think there was because why have Leo betray Max to just come back anyway without even telling us why
1: yeah, like we were saying before, the translation from Broadway to screen you got to imagine that you're probably dealing with an audience that can take an intermission they're, yeah they're out they're at the bar you know stopping to drink and stuff like that, so you could do the sort of the long first act completely breaks so when the audience comes back they're reset, which you're not getting in a movie setting. I'm just watching this straight and I, I, I need answers <laughs> and they need to come they need to come quickly in a way that just isn't gonna happen in a musical. So it's uh, we're too let's, we're, let's we'll let's we we'll, we'll get into let's that. Pull let's back. pull
0: back. Let's get into the other characters who are have slightly different portrayals. So you have France, our writer, portrayed by kenneth mars and then will ferrell in the remake again pretty similar portrayals some slight differences in there i guess the main difference is the ending they're both mad about the portrayal of hitler um, in the play so they want to kill leo and max but in the original max is able to convince him to blow up the theater and they do, and they try to, and they botch it up because they're all idiots <laughs> And a pretty <laughs> hilarious uh, sequence of just trying to get this bomb to go off. But in the remake, because we have our different ending focusing more on Max and Leo, uh, Will Ferrell just breaks his legs, and right. we don't get that sequence then, at all. And then he, and insti-
1: he goes to jail too, I guess, for trying to shoot he them? Goes,
0: <laughs> he goes, I, or maybe just being a Nazi, I no. don't know. <laughs> but also there's a, another slight difference that franz was also in the remake he was not just the writer but he was supposed to be hitler in the play yeah so he got a little more singing he was able to do um which was pointless too because he's not going to be our hitler right so again it's the it's that remake doing that circle thing it's like okay so we're here will ferrell's doing this and no, nope, we're just back to here again it was like like what you said, like in a musical, you can probably do that because we got to fill some songs up Find a movie, which is usually pretty linear. Um, right. We're doing circles again, and
1: uh, this movie's a long one. I'll say it yeah. again. It's yeah. a long one. See, with Franz in the early part, I'm loving what they're doing in the remake because Franz isn't very fleshed out in the original film. You know, no. like, when you're even introduced to Franz, the biggest joke... Kind of leading into it isn't even franz it's the the concierge at the bottom of the apartment stairs so like you've got this comedic aspect going into the meeting with him he's another character sort of similar to ula where um he does speak english and he speaks pretty well but like a lot of the jokes are that he breaks into like random german he he, he makes jokes about like I, I i know nothing like i just did what i was told and like he does all these like nazi jokes which are which again that's Hard to pull off um, a character that basically is a Nazi <laughs> in the film. But, like, they do it pretty pretty well. Will Ferrell's take early on is phenomenal because it just fleshes out this character. And he gets this funny song. It's one of the better songs in the film when he's up there with the birds and stuff like that. And I, And I'm loving that they're fleshing out the character. I'm even loving the fact that they're going to have him do the Hitler thing. And I'm like, oh, this is going to be... This is going to be great. What a nice twist on this. And then, nope, my leg's broke. <laughs> <laughs> Makes me want to say something about the music, but we're coming, we're coming back. <laughs> uh,
0: we're so close to talking about the music. I, I, hang on, I Reggie. Know, let, let, <laughs>
1: just a little bit longer. But I mean, <laughs> Will Ferrell has some pretty good numbers in here, and he's a, he's a funnier version of the same character. And then they just they take out their own knees, you know, play on the, the broken leg joke. It's, like you're, it's all right there. You, you keyed it up. Why, why'd you stop?
0: Yeah, I liked his portrayal. Um, it's, it's a little harder for me to separate Will Ferrell from his character, so I do just see Will Ferrell doing a German accent. I don't see a, a German guy. Uh, but I thought it was funny. I thought his first musical number was one of the more enjoyable musical numbers, uh, especially that part where they're all doing the hand clap yeah. thing. I thought that was actually just actually interesting to watch, uh, watch them all do that choreography. So, um, it was a fun sequence. Uh, But, yeah, he kind of gets a short end of the stick, especially towards the end. They just really give him nothing uh, when his character had a pretty big part in the original.
1: Yeah. Yeah, there's more to that character than just... um, Okay, we made the jokes about him being, uh, you know, a secret Nazi. And, like you said, in the other film, he he gets to complain about the portrayal. He gets on stage to try to stop it from happening. He gets to shoot at them. He gets to blow up the building. Will Ferrell does get some Mm -hmm. decent dance numbers, but then the character just basically gets taken out. You know, there's... yeah. They still have the, you know, him trying to go after them scene, but, you know, at that point, you're already... I don't know. Already doesn't really matter anymore.
0: I mean, I'm getting a little bit ahead of it because, you know, um, we're going to talk about the directors in a bit, but, like, i just don't know why they couldn't just i mean he obviously loved hitler so just make him like a gay nazi and then you got your gay hitler portrayal there instead of having to circle back around and now the director has to be hitler it's, you could have just had will ferrell do all of that and just you know tweak the character a little bit more
1: yeah i mean he's already a goofy character so like yeah if he's doing his portrayal and then he feels like the audience isn't getting it you know what's the difference why does it have to be someone else like if like maybe during the the play he's not picking up on that they're they're laughing at him yeah. until later in the, the sequence you know like i don't i don't know there's a there's a bunch of ways to play that or
0: maybe just have him literally like it because it doesn't even matter that he gets mad right. at max and leo in the remake right it's totally pointless you you didn't need him to chase them with a gun at all could have just had him maybe do his portrayal get laughed at it realize oh
1: my god they actually like me and then he could have just basked in that or, limelight or or flip it the other way if you're gonna flip the director being the actor why how about will ferrell's acting doesn't match what the director wanted and now the director wants to blow up the play you know yeah you there could, you go you could do that i mean if you're there gonna you do go. a flop do that flop so um i don't know i, I I like the character, you know. I like the character in both films, mm-hmm. but it just it's it's not the same. The same sequence doesn't happen to the character. So like, Will Ferrell isn't in the audience. I mean, I guess he is, but like, it's not it's not the same. It, it's basically yeah. what I'm getting at. And yeah, like I, I don't know. Like the way they decided to change it around doesn't feel like it. It made a lot of sense. Logic. No
0: yeah I mean I think Will Ferrell did okay like I said though I think it's hard for me to separate him from his roles but I think ultimately his character was given the short end of the stick yeah so I'm going to give the nod to the original just because um you know they stuck to their guns with him yeah
1: as opposed to the remake see like when it comes to the portrayal I like Will Ferrell's portrayal more I found it to be funnier um a little bit more modern like you said it's hard to separate him Uh, from it maybe it's because i do like in general will ferrell's comedy but then again they just undercut themselves and the choices they make i had to lean on the original character because it's just it makes more sense uh yeah having
0: him see the portrayal of hitler having him flip out and then seeing what he does with it you know the character goes somewhere right having will ferrell see the portrayal him flipping out and then he just breaks his own leg it's like all right yeah it's not. It doesn't pay off as much as the original. Yeah,
1: and when we get when we get further into our discussion, uh, I'll say exactly what I don't like about that. Um, yeah. But yeah, no. Uh, yeah, just another another moment where the remake could forge its own pathway, and when they do so, they actually <laughs> they actually just start muddling things up in a, in a way. Like you said, this longer runtime is giving them more space to. Sometimes less is more, dude. Sometimes it really is. Mm-hmm. We're losing it there, but yeah. I guess we can go into the next characters.
0: We had talked about um, him b- before a little bit. Uh, our director. I'm gonna sort of group his assistant in here as well. So we have our director Roger and his assistant Carmen. Mm-hmm. They're portrayed by Christopher Hewitt and Andreas Valsinis in the original. And then we have Gary Beach and Roger Bart in the remake. Um, Again, characters that seem to... They definitely get more to do in the remake, for sure. Uh, Like we said, our director actually portrays Hitler in the remake. Um, Both very gay, flamboyant. Mm -hmm. or All those characters are pretty gay and flamboyant, but definitely more so in that remake. Right, right. (laughs)
1: Yeah, the the original I mean they're gay um, that's you know it's like obviously it comes up in different moments in the film mm-hmm. where uh, people talk to them but it doesn't it doesn't like ultra define
0: exactly the, yeah the it's like it it really does in the remake yeah, yeah
1: yeah in the remake like it is they're basically walking gay stereotypes. Yeah. They, you know, they're obsessed with the Tonys. They're obsessed with kick lines in a way that it's there in the original, but, like, it's it's just a little more subtle. Like, they obviously have this relationship when uh, Carmen comes in and he says, like, oh, we're not alone. And he's dressed up in the wig and the, the dress and stuff like that. Yeah, okay, the guy happens to be gay, but, like, he's focusing more on the play and his role mm-hmm. in it. Yeah. And in this remake, we go everywhere (laughs) before we get back to so is he gonna direct a play (laughs) got it 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 just Um, i I don't know man i not not a huge fan of where they went
0: yeah i'm gonna kind of go off what you said and they really lean on the gay in the remake it's like Okay, you know, he's gay and his assistant, they're, they're together in the original, you know, it's a little funny at first, but they don't, they lean on it so much more in the remake. It's like, not only are they gay, but they live with all these gay men, and then they have to make the play gay. Yeah. Like, everything about them is gay, gay, gay. Get it? Yeah. They're gay, so everything's gay. It's like, alright, it's, yes. Yeah, it,
1: isn't it insane that you take a movie from 1967, where people probably don't even want to, like, bros the subject, there's probably not many, if any, positive portrayals of gay people in media, and they took this character, and they didn't... They let it be funny, but they didn't just make fun of him for being gay. You know, yeah. they... And I'm not saying the remake is necessarily making fun of him, but, like, how is the 1967 film a more, like, subtle and nuanced take on gay culture than a movie that came out in 2005? I, I don't know how they fucked that up, <laughs> for lack of a better word.
0: <laughs> Yeah, I mean it's, especially by today's standards, you know, it's it's, it's pretty like oh man, it's like, I don't know, like I feel like people in the gay community be pretty pissed yeah. if um, <laughs> by the remakes portrayals, it's, it's so like you said, just like the, the stereotypical thing, like uh, they're all just dressed in drag or all these weird clothes and they're always singing and dancing. Yeah. It's like, man,
1: it's, whew. you know, like I don't know, even even in a film, well both films do it, so like anyway but like even when um max bielsa he calls him a like, the slur he calls him a fruit i mean that's really the worst thing yeah they have to say about gay people in that original film they're not they really aren't saying anything about him other than the fact that they're in a relationship you know like and yeah. i guess you know he he was in a dress that.
0: that's a, that was a little weird that he was in a dress but you know it's okay yeah. um but
1: even that it was funny because he's he's playing uh I forget who it was like uh, the duchess of something no uh the princess anastasia anastasia and <laughs> they make the exact same joke in the remake and it's like the, yeah. so if the joke hasn't aged <laughs> i just don't know how they again i don't know how they screwed that up because the original film is a better portrayal of gay culture than a movie that yeah. came out in 2005 so uh edge to the, <laughs> to the original
0: yeah yeah for sure i mean we'll talk about it more um when we get to the musical numbers Absolutely. but yeah for sure and the original and then like i guess we'll talk about this too because he portrays hitler but let's talk about the original portrayal of hitler so we have lsd portraying hitler it's Dick Shawn. and then like we said uh gary beach portrays hitler um two very different portrayals of hitler yes. <laughs> like we said the remake very gay 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 and uh, the original, how would you describe that portrayal of Hitler?
1: He's kind of like a hippie man, you know. It comes out, dude, and he's a beatnik, really. Is uh, yeah, that's
0: what that's that's the word I kept yeah. thinking of. Just this kind of beatnik.
1: Yeah, he's like a real beatnik. I I like the portrayal, you know. He comes in that first scene. He's got his boots all the way up to his like his thighs, and he's like he's got his little chorus chorus girls in the background playing <laughs> music and.
0: Yeah, looking like they're in a fucking Robert Palmer video. Yeah, just kind of like... yeah.
1: and, like, it's cool, because he's like a breath of fresh air, like, in the mm-hmm. sense that there's no other character like him in the film. And, yeah. you know, he solves a problem that they're having in the film is they can't find their Hitler. And now he introduces character, and he he's in the moment where they're looking for a Hitler, solves the problem. Whereas in the remake, you fe- you couldn't find a Hitler. You found your Hitler. You got rid of your Hitler, and then you made another Hitler, and that's going to be the Hitler. But the other guy still wants to be Hitler. You know, like it, it's too much.
0: Yeah, it's definitely too much. What did you think about the gay Hitler?
1: They already made the gay joke. You already made it. You, yeah. You made it for twenty minutes already. So, what, what are we doing? <laughs> you know, like yeah. I think that if you again addition of subtraction. I think if you make less gay jokes on the front end, I'll give you more gay jokes during the Hitler uh, sequence, but you, you mm-hmm. have mined that like resource. There is nothing <laughs> left for you to pull mm-hmm. out of this. And I, I could see, like if you took some of that stuff out of it, I could see um, that change making sense. Like the audience um, making fun of like a gay Hitler. And I could see that type of satire being actually really funny because you take this like this ultra kind of master race guy who had all these terrible ideas about you know what's what's ultimately the right way to live your life or who's the best and you just fucking shit on him (laughs) um and but like not not just because he's gay like that's really what it should be like the joke isn't wouldn't it be funny if hitler was gay it's like yeah i guess it's funny to take him down in that way but like they don't do enough to elevate gay culture to make the joke.
0: No, I I think it's I think when you really think about it, it's, it's pretty offensive. Offensive. It's offensive. Yeah, because um, the original Hitler. Okay, what if Hitler was like this kind of spaced out hippie who didn't really know what the fuck he's talking about? You know, that you could go many ways with that. That that's an interesting portrayal. But then saying what if Hitler was gay? Isn't that funny? Let's make fun of him for being gay. It's yeah. like whoa, it's, what? this is, is this, what. This is, this is pretty offensive, yeah. isn't it?
1: Because, <laughs> I mean, like, ultimately, like, if you really, like, break that down, why would that change his behavior? Yeah. You know, like, it's... him being gay or not, like, he's still Hitler, you know? So then what are you saying yeah. about gay people, you know? It's just... Yeah. It's it's a mess.
0: It's, it's a one-note joke that, like, when you think about it, doesn't really work, right. um beyond just saying Hitler's gay <laughs> yeah. once you get past those initial five seconds of oh yeah okay, Hitler's gay and then now what you're not really doing anything with it but you got that fucking beatnik Hitler who's like man we're Germany so we can't invade Germany you know just like one to these weird realizations Yeah, it's um, so like a fucking drugged out hippie Hitler would uh, it, I think it's the the stronger portrayal of Hitler I think it's especially by today's standards yeah. the less offensive it, portrayal of Hitler it was funnier yeah <laughs> Yeah, it, was, it just was funnier. Yeah. So, um, points to the original director and assistant, points to the original portrayal of Hitler. It was just too much in the remake. They just relied on the gay too much and then it just starts getting offensive after a while. Yeah. I mean I don't wanna sound like a fucking you know Yeah, it's a PC person, but like it's it's a little heavy on the gay. Yeah. Come on, let's yeah. You know, if you're gonna do something with gay, maybe I don't know, don't just keep saying he's gay. I don't you you can't just keep saying that over and over right, again. Right. It, like
1: and again, it's, it's a pretty stereotypical uh, portrayal. You can't have him skip into the room. You can't have him, uh, you know, kind of like the effects with the wrists and stuff. Like, you can't do all that and not say anything, you know? Like, if, if Hitler then made a decision about, like, something as simple as the uniforms, if you had him say, like, I'm working on making the uniforms and, like, that's your gay joke. Like, I don't know, but, like, just him being gay, like, there's not enough there. There's not Yeah. There's nothing there, to be honest. <laughs> you know? And like I said, there there's a way to do it and for it to work. You know? So I'm not saying that a gay Hitler portrayal can't be funny, but like they didn't do it mm. funny. So it Yeah. It's a miss.
0: Like it could be funny, like I'm gonna bring up a movie I really like now, JoJo Rabbit. Mm-hmm. There's a there's a couple have you seen that movie?
1: I haven't seen it yet, but uh No. Oh. There's a couple
0: Nazis in there and there's pretty, pretty sure they're gay, but like they don't just rely on that, you know, the gay thing is brought in subtly and then they're funny for other reasons. Right. It's like, I mean, obviously it's a different movie, but right, right, right. No. <laughs> but you know, it can be it, like, to your point, it can be done without just relying on the one note joke of he's gay, huh? Right. Huh? Right. Ah.
1: Cause, cause then you just have like a stereotype that, like I was saying before, happens to be. A historical figure but you're not saying anything specifically about the historical figure you haven't written yeah. anything to make a Hitler funny you know what i mean like yeah. like the hi- the hippie thing the the uh that scene where sleeping, ich sleeping ich nine you know what i mean like just like she loves me she loves me not like that's funny like you come into this <laughs> This thing, Hitler's like at the piano. He's struggling, man. <laughs> and it's like, baby, always talking about leaving. It's a funny. <laughs> it is funny. Like baby, this the nothing, baby.
0: <laughs> and then you yeah, have Franz there. Con- oh, it's 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 a um, it's a well thought out uh, yeah. character, Reggie. I, I, I mean,
1: I mean, when I one of my biggest things watching the original was saying, wow, I'm surprised I'm finding this as funny. As I am, and there wasn't any caveat. I wasn't. This is funny for 1967. This is yeah. funny for. I was like, this is just funny. I, I'm enjoying this. And then the remake. I, I bet there's a, a window where this shit was hilarious, mm-hmm. and it, that window has passed. Yeah. It just doesn't stand the test of time, unlike the original um, no. portrayal.
0: No, no, the, the, old, the original portrayal definitely stands the test time a lot better than. Um, Pretty sure it's offensive
1: these yeah. days. Uh, what they did with the remake. You know what I would have loved, and I'm sure there's a reason why. I, I mean, the Broadway play just is probably completely different. Like, I would have loved to see like a Robin um, Williams playing like the Dick Shawn character.
0: Honestly, that's that's who came to my it uh, came in mind. Like as soon as I saw him, like Robin Williams would have been perfect. Oh my for god! This. Like
1: Robin Williams comes out, okay, like, hey, what's up, man? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> hey, Daddy and then Dad. you know, just just doing his various little rob williams is mm-hmm. like that would have been so good um like 60s i guess he wasn't really a thing yeah. so um but yeah like missed opportunity the remake because that would have been, been a been casting good. that would have been huh if you just had him but don't have to rely on the gay thing you could just just do what they did in the
1: original yeah i mean <laughs> like someone like Robin williams who could sing can dance um can act and just hadn't just build out another character because you 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 had your moment with um, with uh, Roger De Bris. You had your moment mm-hmm. with the musical number and the singing and stuff like that. So let's actually add another character like they did in the original film mm-hmm. and draw a direction in another type of comedy. But like you said, they just doubled down on gay jokes It was like, well, you, like I was saying before, you've done this for so long already. Yeah. I, I just don't have much left in me to care.
0: Alright, so that pretty much covers all of the characters that are different. Now, there's um, maybe some slightly different things done in the remake, but we might have already covered them when we were talking about the characters. So let me just check my list here. We're in the musical numbers? Okay. Alright, so never mind. We are just going to go straight to those musical numbers. But before that, I'm going to start off with this. The Runtime, Reggie. Our original film is a beautiful 88 minutes. Tight. While Tight. <laughs> while our remake is a whopping 134 minutes, almost 50 more minutes than the original. Granted, there's musical numbers in there. Sure. You should explain it, but 46 more minutes of movie sure. sure. did. This is where Dude. this is where the episode's going to really right reached so, its point
1: like should they have done this <laughs> so 46 more minutes to tell effectively the same story mm-hmm. right now there are times where you're adding or again subtracting because you're doing something different you know like if we're watching right. uh i'm trying to think like solaris when we watched that remake was right. shorter but for a reason and mm-hmm. you know you can say whatever you want about that runtime but like they made logical cuts Here's here's my problem with the the musical numbers before we even start talking about them specifically. Okay. The original film cracks a joke. You get you digest the joke and you move on, right? This movie you crack the joke and it's like, "Oh shit, there's that joke from the original film." <laughs> and then 5 minutes of something I don't give two shits about. <laughs> just and and now I'm just stuck in it for the next however long they're going to do this this song and then maybe the song will turn into a dance thing that will then turn into more song and it's just like they they just demolish the beats with these ridiculous over-the-top numbers i i I digress
0: (laughs) no i spoiler alert like i checked out mentally uh halfway through each musical number because you get the point you get what the song is about now we're just I don't in self-indulging at this point. Yep. We just want to show you more sets, more choreography, hear more of the song. Um, a big problem I have is not only the amount of musical numbers, but just how long they are. But, but, and I think everyone could have benefited from
1: being cut in half. I honestly do. I think I think you're 100 percent right. Even the songs that I like, mm-hmm. like you mentioned, there is that, that moment, and it's usually around the minute three mark where it's like. <laughs> hey, wait a minute! What what are we doing? Yeah, I mean, we let's let's just go through each of them and where we think the sins okay. lie. Okay, so we have our first
0: musical number. It's opening night. This is a interesting musical number. It's it's different. It's a different opening from our original. Our original mm-hmm. film starts uh, with uh, Max Bialystock doing uh, his little uh, his little yeah, <laughs> sleaze yeah. with the old lady, <laughs> right, right. which I think is a little drawn out. personally touch me hold could... me. yeah. It, yeah, it that's is, actually they do two
1: different old ladies in that scene
0: yeah so like the whole time it's just like max going back and forth with this old lady which is a funny joke but i mean we made fun of the remake for kind of relying on that gay joke they really like hammering that like he's banging old ladies and in, in the opening of yeah. the original it's one of my least favorite parts of the original just because it takes so long um i actually think the remake was pretty good here with their musical number it's opening night um, one of max's be Alex Stocks plays out and then they're just describing it, and they're letting you know about Max about his history that this is another flop that he has, and that he's going to keep making these flops, and it's a kind of a short one too yeah. so I think overall, the first musical number was good. I think it was better opening than the original, actually
1: yeah the, the original the, yeah, I would say the weakest part of the original is the intro. they do mm-hmm. spend a lot of time. Um, with some filler from max that could be fleshed out you could remove the first old woman yeah and just start at the second old woman but like yeah i think they were trying to establish that he's doing this a lot but there's different ways to establish that um, yeah i think
0: the remake actually did a pretty good job there yeah um because nathan lane like you know you're introduced to him and leo first and then like the old lady comes and he's like he hears her and then he's like Hold me, touch me, hold me, touch me. And he's like going through all the different phrases as he looks at each picture. Right. So I thought, for, <laughs> I'll give it this the remake for, you know, every scene that it does drag out there, <laughs> it was able to, like, okay, Leo's a creep and he sleeps with all his old ladies and here it is. We're not going to beat you over the head with it. And they do kind of with the original.
1: Yeah. I would say that I think any musical you watch, unless it's like really, really, really bad, that opening song is usually going to be a pretty damn good one. This mm. was this was a well done song. It tells you everything you need to know to jump into the story. So if, you, yeah. if you've never seen the producers, you could start right there and you, you're all caught up for the rest of the story. So I think you're right. The original does that well. And excuse me, the remake, the remake does that well in the way the original does not i would say that is the weakest point of the original is the intro yeah
0: yeah Uh, and then we have musical number two this is when max and leo uh discover or when leo i should say discovers that they can make more money off of a flop than a hit they have this song that's we can do it um it's an okay song yeah uh it's pretty much max trying to convince leo to commit fraud with him Um, I would say, I would give it more praise, but then immediately after, we have another musical with Leo on his own, talking about, like, oh, work sucks, life sucks, Uh, and that musical
1: number I don't like. See, I, um, Uh, you're talking about the accounting firm? Yeah. You know, I like the set. I like the way they use the typewriters uh, as Mm -hmm. part of the song. It does drag on a little bit too long. I think if it's a shorter song, I like it more. But like, you're right. At this point the film hasn't tested our our patience yet, you know. Right. Intro yeah. Intro's okay. We can do it. All right, whatever. Serviceable. Yeah. Um will will he, won't he song. But you're right. Then you go right into the accounting thing, which I like it to an extent, but then it goes on, you know? Yeah.
0: And we just had that musical number. And then we're thrown into another musical number pretty quickly. So, And it's a much longer unhappy, musical number.
1: Unhappy, yes. It was
0: just, uh, like I said, cut it in half maybe. But uh, it was just too close to musical numbers. And it's they're pretty much trying to do the same thing. Convince Leo to do it. Right. And it just it felt redundant to me. Right. I, I thought it was cool. It looked cool, definitely, uh, the accounting thing.
1: But uh, didn't need it. No, especially when you think that that song actually resets. So you start with everyone being unhappy at work. And, you know, he's there unhappy as well. And then who's that? Uh, John Lovitz. Lovitz, yes. Thank you. It stinks. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So then, like, John Lovitz comes in, who pretty good character, too. I mean, not really worth us bringing him up in the character section, but nice nice cameo. Um, Plays a decent angry boss, but... He comes in, kind of resets the entire scene, and then they kind of go back into it. And then he's like, "No, I'm gonna do whatever I want." And then Lovitz is upset, like it's it's too much. It's too much. Yeah. Like you said, either start before or after the Lovitz kind of interruption, and and I think you'll be fine with whichever direction you go because you don't need both.
0: Mm-mm. No. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah like it's just, but you it's
1: <laughs> no nah, yeah I, I guess just for me <laughs> the stuff that was shining for me and you know we'll talk about it in this enough, in another music number that's coming up but like I like the big cast stuff I like that you're doing um, you know using the typewriters and stuff like that as part of the music mm-hmm. I just don't like how long it goes on yeah that's it yeah you know? Agreed.
0: I might have tolerated it if it was shorter, but that third song is so much longer than it needs to be. So much longer.
1: Yeah. And, and like you said, at this point, he already kind of, like you said, we know he's going to do it. So yeah. you're right. You could have resolved that in song two. So To have him say, I can't do it, and then to, like you said, immediately there's no there's no breakup there. Like Nothing breaks yeah. that scene up. And I think if you had broken it up a little bit, more dialogue maybe um max following him to the accounting job maybe max being there at the account job so at that point like the two numbers are effectively the same number i think it would have made more sense than making it seem like you're splitting up this this sequence
0: i just feel like you could have done the one you did The we can do it just we can do it yeah let's do it (laughs) let's not have another scene and then convince you to do it i and i also kind of miss uh they did in the original you know took sure. him to the park yeah took him to the gave him a balloon he <laughs> went on a ferris wheel you know treating him like the child he is um right some funny some some funny stuff in that original um that's definitely missing in the remake but we'll go on to the next musical number sure. okay this is the fourth musical number we're trying to convince france uh to make his play uh again uh we kind of referenced this before when we talk about will ferrell this is For me one of the more interesting uh musical sequences i thought i think i think the choreography um is pretty interesting i I don't know the the knee slapping thing uh that caught my imagination i was like this is kind of cool to watch so uh one of the stronger musical sequences in the remake
1: yeah i I remember uh i was watching that sequence with my wife and we were both actually at this point still having fun (laughs) at this point (laughs) (laughs) and and like and, like, there's all these little, like, funny beats that are still happening that, you know, you're, you're able to tolerate. But, uh, like, when the, the, the bird throws up the sig howl, I'm just like, oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> this, yeah. is, this is so over the top and ridiculous. Like you said, the uh, percussion off of, like, each other's knees and stuff like that. Like, that that was fun. Pretty good choreography. And it's a fun song. Starts to get a little long. But, like, I'm, I'm tolerating it because it's a new mm-hmm. character. It's Will Ferrell. And right. he's doing a very funny job, but mm-hmm. should, that should have been the warning to me that anything that I think that I'm liking is going to start getting into the space where I no longer like it. And, uh, um, yeah. it's not a sequence where that one gets a pass, but it's starting to get, get there for me.
0: Exactly. It's, it's treading thin ice at this point. It's mm-hmm. like, all right, the, the musical numbers, have gotta be pretty amazing. Cause at this point you're starting to figure out that, okay, they're all a little bit longer than I want. And, uh, right. How many more are there? And are they all going to be this good? Right. And uh, spoiler, they're not. Here we go. Moving on. <laughs> uh, musical number number five. This is when we're trying to convince right. Roger to let's, be the director. This is go. the gay one. Uh, <laughs> go on, Reggie. Have right. had it. All right.
1: Yeah, so in the original film, right, Carmen comes out uh, to, to the front door, takes him in and introduces him to Robert, Robert. And there's a whole sequence where, oh, my God, he's wearing a dress. All right, cool. Got it. Basically, you're <laughs> getting the same beat in his remake. And then Roger... It's not just Roger and Carmen. No. It's Roger, Carmen, and like his his basically stage hands, for lack of a better word. It's the costume designer. It's the choreographer and all stuff. So all these, like again, different types of stereotypical gay people come trouncing down the stairs. Um, and they go into this insane number. And here is where... I start to jump off the ship completely. Here's my mm-hmm. biggest gripe with this entire film, and I'm glad I can finally say it out loud. These music numbers have nothing to do with the fucking story. That's been <laughs> nothing to do with it. That could have been any other musical. Make it gay, like it. it... <laughs> All right, I I get it. I get it. I love. I'm with you. I'm with these guys. I love the theater. I love it. <laughs> I fucking love it. But the problem is, this has nothing. And I mean nothing to do with the story of the producers. And it is long, bro. I think it's like 10 minutes long. I don't know. I can't prove that, but I think it is. (laughs) It is
0: definitely one of the longer musical numbers in the movie. And uh, yeah, I was watching this with my wife. And uh, this was the musical number that's like, all right, uh, this is way too fucking long. (laughs) Um, Yeah, they, uh, okay, I get it. Make it gay. Sure. And then let's sing about it for the next, yeah, like you said, 10 minutes it's like I mean, really
1: who are these guys that are never going to be in the rest of the film they, no, they don't, don't come know. back the choreographer doesn't do the choreography the costume designers not there doing costumes they're just gay tropes coming down the staircase no. and then they have this whole sequence about the tony oh my god tony tony like guys guys i get it <laughs> i get it broadway culture uh, uh gay culture in theaters the Tony awards and like that connection to the gay community. Like I understand that you were, you were trying to speak to a group that is hugely influential in theater. It just doesn't have anything to do with Max Bielestuk and Leo Bloom. It doesn't have anything to do with springtime to Hitler and maybe move that sequence to right before he becomes Hitler and he's like, he's making Hitler gay. You know, like, I, I don't know, but like where it is, why is it in this film? Because I could put it into almost any other musical film and it's not going to feel out of place at all. No, it's,
0: it's like I, I said, it's a little overly indulgent. Um, I mentally check out. I, I was lost. As soon as the people started walking down the stairs, I was like, holy shit. <laughs> where this is, I, I'm, i it. I gotta be on this ride now. I don't know, so you make it gay, yeah, That you could do that one minute song, but why you have to drag it out for so fucking long? And I, I'll say this too, like, if you've never seen this before, you might be lost on the plot, like, what am I right. supposed to be following? Which journey am I following again? Because, like, it's it's a simple plot, but, like, you get lost in these musical numbers, you're like, wait, where were we and where are we now? I don't, what the fuck is happening? You can get lost because they're so fucking long.
1: It doesn't matter, Right. It doesn't matter if you make no. it gay or not it doesn't it doesn't matter because what does that have to do with I... making the play a flop what does that have to do with the script what what does it have to do with the story being told and if you can't answer the question other than a director of a of a broadway musical's gay I, yeah you know get, get in line buddy you know what i mean like <laughs> like, like I'm sorry, like, and I get it because they're they're playing up this camp and they're playing up the theater of it all. Wrong story. It's the wrong story. Yeah,
0: yeah. That's gonna. That was not one of the good ones. But we'll move on, Reggie, because I could see you. <laughs> you
1: know, no, but I mean, like, I, I do want to say this to to be fair to them. I don't hate the musical number. I I love the set piece. I love what they they right. do with it. But it it has it doesn't fit. in in the story no they're not
0: bad they're not it's not like oh man the song is terrible or like their choreography is terrible or the costumes are terrible but it's like i want the story man like i get it like i said like you could shorten these songs so much and they'd be so much more powerful than dragging them out now i'm fucking dreading that i'm here and all i want is more story you're hurting it by giving me so much
1: yeah and and I think we're going to get to this as we kind of break down these other songs, but the level of song that we're getting has not risen to what we know and we're going to get from the original film. And I know we're about to get to that section, but there is not really a song so far that I can say is one of those things where even if you're not watching the musical might be on your iPod, as it were, you know, like, mm-hmm. we'll get to the sort of the title big sort of song that plays, but like, right. this stuff isn't going to be remembered as these, no. these huge Broadway classics. These are just, these are filler yeah. musical numbers. And if you're doing a musical, the strength is the music. And if the music is weak, then we, we got a problem.
0: And going back to your point, I mean, it's like, it has nothing to do with the plot. The most all these musical numbers except for the opening one which gave us you know some backstory like none of these are important to help drive the story forward
1: yeah if if and i oh sorry
0: go ahead i was gonna i was gonna say and plenty of musicals we've seen i mean we just did little shop of horrors recently we were talking about how those musical numbers you know they helped uh, flesh out characters they helped progress the story and these musical numbers are just so self-indulgent just musical numbers for the sake of musical numbers and i don't i'm not enjoying that
1: Musicals are already that's that's a tough ass. You know, it's a tough ass for someone to like literally put together a musical like production. Mm-hmm. Because on its on its face it's pretty much hokey and it, you know, you have to be the type of person that enjoys a musical, I think. And at its highest level it can be it can be fun, comedic, powerful, like you said, little shop of horrors, I thought it was funny. I saw the Toxic Avenger off Broadway one time. That oh my fun. God, that oh. sounds funny as shit, man. It's fun <laughs> as hell, man. It's fun as hell, and we're we're definitely not at this part in the conversation yet. But like, I'm thinking of another film that came out during around this time, and we talked about Moulin Rouge. That is a musical that I'm perfectly fine with. I don't care how long songs get because mm-hmm. each song has a point. It's tied to a character. It's building the plot. It's explaining something that's going on. You know, like, maybe there's one or two errant sort of misfires, but, like, in general, a cohesive musical story is what we're looking for from a musical, mm-hmm. and this is not a cohesive story. No, definitely not. All right, so let's go on to musical number six.
0: This is Ula's musical number. When you got it, flaunt it. Love it. I mean, Uma looks great in it. Um, unfortunately, like we said, it's, it gives her this false sense of agency. Like, oh, she's going to be a strong character. Doesn't really go anywhere with it. Um, I mean, she looks great in it.
1: That, that's That's kind of,
0: (laughs) she's got a great ass. Um, that's kind of the whole point of this musical number, just to see Uma Thurma shake her ass and her tits. Yeah,
1: yeah, and look, I get it, guys. Appreciate me trying to (laughs) throw me a bone here, uh. I needed some sort of life raft uh, with everything that's going on. Look, I love Woman Thurman. I thought she was great. I thought mm. she looked great. I think that she brought something to that character. Doesn't doesn't have anything to do with the character. I mean, no. yes, she has it. And she flaunts it. But like, if if your five minute music number doesn't tell me more than ten seconds of a chick shaking her titties in a in a sixties film, I what, what are we doing, guys? <laughs> <laughs>
0: But yeah, she, like you said, she she doesn't do anything with that agency. She just okay. I'm just oh, I like you, Leo, for some yeah. reason.
1: Look, yeah, I don't know. This was this was one for the costume designers. This was one for uh, any potentially heterosexual person that was <laughs> watching the film. Um, any Uma Thurman fan that's like, man, I like Kill Bill, but I wish she showed her body
0: a little bit more. Oh, thank yeah. you.
1: Yeah, and and the to be fair, it is one of the stronger musical numbers it um, is you know it was okay it was okay but yeah. again now we're doing another musical and it's about mm-hmm. to be followed up by another musical number by the way <laughs> it's too close to another musical number
0: <laughs> yeah so right after Uma's introduced max is like i gotta go make the money so he goes to make the money in another musical number right. about banging the old ladies and uh, while it's interesting, a bunch of old lady choreography with walkers could be interesting. Um, did I need to see Max collect all the checks one by one by one by one by one?
1: Oh, uh, with the, no. the knockdowns
0: and the kick? Yeah. 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 Um, I, I get it. He's got to bang, a bunch of old ladies. But again, it's just, it's just drawn out. <laughs> and I'm exhausted from the last musical number that just happened. So I am... Yeah, I, I did... I, def- I mean, I was definitely there for the Umas right. <laughs> <it's> with Thurman. <laughs> but for this musical number, yeah, I was just like, all right, I get these bang old ladies. Uh, how long is this one going to be?
1: I should have timed each one of these. It's it's actually, again, this one, I would say out of the original music, may still be, especially in choreographies, the strongest song. It doesn't feel like it, but it might be. And like you said, like you're watching, like the Walker, again, I like when they take a set pieces, whether it's typewriters or walkers and stuff like that, and integrate mm-hmm. it into the music. Like yeah. that's a nice little Broadway trick. Yeah, but like you said, then at the end, he high fives uh, basically fucking six miles worth of uh, people <laughs> playing old ladies. And like you said, he's got all these checks. They're all made the cat. Like, again, the joke was there in the original, like we said before. You didn't need to make it a five-minute joke, you know? Hmm. I don't know. Decent sequence, too long, and unfortunately too close to another music number. Which, to follow this up, and I know I'm starting to get a little manic over here, but this music number is followed by another music number. So let's talk about that one.
0: (laughs) Okay, so we we have the... um about the face about that face I guess is what this one's called and it's uh, the love song between Ula and Leo and this is probably one of my least favorite musical numbers in the film because not only is it a musical number but it has a dance sequence in the middle of it it. it. so we're just watching them and there's no dialogue it's no song there's no vocal part they're just dancing for like a minute
1: solid and you're just like (sighs) You're just so exhausted at this point, man. Yeah, it's, it's, it's exhausting. I mean, the song is more or less Leo explaining why he's not, like, you know, making any advances on Ula, which is just his childlike nature, which we're already aware of. Ula being kind of confused by that interaction because I guess every interaction she has with men tends to be a little bit different. And then by the end, she's singing about his face. So it, they flip it. So he likes her, then turns out she likes him. So, oh boy, they like each other. Uh, the only thing of consequence that really comes from it is that he gets rid of his blue blanket, which you don't see in the original film. However, <laughs> it doesn't matter because <laughs> basically almost the next, within the next two or three music numbers, he's going to pick that blanket right back up. So, wasted yeah. space. We already know they like each other. You don't need to spend that much time on them singing about
0: it. This is a little off topic, but just in general, what did you think about Leo and ula getting together do you think that was a good decision or you think they should have just gave it the kibosh
1: i think that the kibosh in this sense it's not really there in the original film in this remake i understand why you would do it and there's a way to do it they just didn't do it the right way so um, (laughs) in that respect i would say the kibosh but if they had done it right i think it's actually a smart play it gives leo something like you said agency it gives both of them, yeah growth. yeah <laughs> it gives both of them growth and agency in a way that's not there in the original film which you could take that and really run with it in a compelling way and it, it is a shame that that doesn't happen
0: yeah i like the setup of it i uh, definitely don't like the way it pans out and it definitely doesn't go anywhere so ultimately it, it was pointless
1: yeah i mm. i would rather they have done uh singing and dance number like that in Rio, I think the set could have been interesting. I think that you could have had a lot of fun with that. And then at the end, and I'm telling you, I'm saying the last ten seconds of that song, Leo could be like, oh, "I've got to go back." Now, does it make sense? Hell no. But <laughs> give these guys something to work with, and I think that some sort of sequence in Rio, actually, I could have I could have gotten down with, and I think it could have explained his him coming back, other than them just putting them in like white suits
0: yeah that that would have been a better place because i don't need to see the romance bloom like maybe she could have just it would have made her trying to convince him to leave with the millions of dollars like more compelling because they're not necessarily together right. yet right. and then you could see that kind of blossom we could see it bloom right uh, in rio uh so i think that would be a better place there actually was a Rio musical number yeah that believe it or not reggie got cut wow they actually cut things from the the remake um but we'll never know <laughs>
1: Here's here's how I would have approached it, right? I would have taken the flaunted song, and had like just a little bit of like that kind of fade out, innuendo at the end where like she says something to Leo that kind of piques his interest, you know? And mm-hmm. then, it just play on that a little bit more. You don't even have to go into a dance number, but like they, you realize that they like each other. Done, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, move, yeah, yeah. Move on, and then if you want to do that dance sequence, do that shit in real, because at that point they like each other. And, you know, they're explaining their, their master plan or something like that. And then he realizes mm-hmm. he has to go back and help his buddy. Yeah, right.
0: yeah I, I'm not going to disagree with that. that. That definitely sounds better and more interesting than what I saw.
1: Yeah, yeah. So the sad part about it is the, that sequence, uh, your face or whatever the hell it's called, it's a good dance number. It is, and
0: then what that when they do behind the couch would be i think it would be it's interesting to see on broadway yes i think that like, it'd be funny to see on broadway see that old lady pop out of nowhere uh but in the sense of like you know the context of a movie and a movie that's already feeling a little long at this point yeah i mean very long at this point yeah. um i was just i was hating it yeah more than i was enjoying it
1: yeah i think that uh we, we're coming back to that that thing where a lot of the stuff you can do on broadway you can't do it in the film. No, you can't. And, They're
0: completely different mediums. And, um, yeah, they. I I definitely got the sense that they tried to just do a, a one-to-one, like, okay, we'll just do everything we did on Broadway, and we'll just put it on film,
1: and it'll work. It, it no, doesn't work. There, it does there's not a, work. There's a reason, like, the, the Baz Lerman like, Chicago works, and it's because it's stylized. Mm-hmm.
0: Let's go on to the next musical number, uh, which is the Hitler Auditions. And this is where Will Ferrell um, does another funny song. Another funny scene, but
1: um, ultimately pointless because he's not going to be your Hitler. He's not going to be your Hitler, and it's not funnier than the first scene where he did <laughs> the same thing. Yeah. It. I, um, just like just like they did too many gay jokes, they did too many uh, German jokes. Because there's not that song, like I said, isn't different enough, or of a better quality than the first Will Ferrell song, so it's kind of pointless.
0: Yeah. Um, not gonna lie, I was definitely checked out at this point, so <laughs> I, <laughs> I was like, okay, I guess he's Hitler. Um, so here we go. Oh, yeah, well, wait, but it doesn't matter because in the next musical number. Reggie. (laughs) Uh, We're told the rules of Broadway, how you don't say good luck. You're supposed to say break a leg, and irony of ironies, if Franz doesn't go ahead and break that
1: leg. Yeah. This song sequence reminded me of uh, of Make It Gay. Again, I got it. Broadway Broadway can be very like um, superstitious. Yeah, like superstitious, but like the cool thing about Broadway is that in a way that culturally, like maybe. Um, this country and a lot of places in the world haven't been, has been a more accepting and like uh, positive place for gay people. With that comes its own sort of culture and dynamics. To your point, you've got the break a leg dynamic in theater, which is, you don't say good luck, you say break a leg. And uh, mm-hmm. The joke is, they're saying good luck because they want it to be a flop. And then the guy breaks his leg. Mm-hmm. Again, A song about <laughs> the, the, like you said, the superstition of Broadway. Tells me nothing about my characters. You know, mm-hmm. it's kind of funny because they're saying you know break a leg. They're, n- they're supposed to say break a leg and they're not. Right. But, but like, that's and they're not- doing all these
0: like ladders and broken mirrors yeah, and all- it- every bad luck thing you could possibly think of.
1: Got it. Got it. And then <clears throat> honestly, I would probably like it more if the guy doesn't break his leg at the end. <laughs> I think like I get why that's the lo- sort of logical culmination of that joke. But it's not a great joke, so uh-huh. I, I mean, could you imagine taking every bad joke you've ever heard and stretching it out for six minutes?
0: <laughs> yeah, the punchline is not worth the long ass setup. No, absolutely. No. So, um, again, so not I, this is the tenth musical, so <laughs> at, the, at this point, I was just like, oh, okay, we're talking about this now, and I really don't give a shit. I just, just can we get? To springtime for Hitler, That's all I'm here for, man. Which,
1: which I do, which I know we're going to talk about, and I do want to talk about that. The fact that I'm glad that you numbered these because I, uh-huh. even though we just talked about them just now, I don't think I can name ten different songs that were in this film.
0: I couldn't name I couldn't name them. I know if you got it, flaunt it. That one I remember because of Uma. Ah, oh, she's good in it. Mm. <laughs> she looked great
1: by the way let's let's just focus on the positive i mean you got you,
0: you got uma thurman to do that good so.
1: god she looked great good
0: good on you mm-hmm. <laughs> have all some right. good uma
1: all right so uh, again another song we don't give a fuck about but which means we're probably closer to the song we do care about
0: yes and this is it we're finally here reggie our opening number of springtime for hitler and the song is of course springtime for hitler in Germany, <laughs> so um, the musical number, which is from the original, mm-hmm. pretty much the same. Maybe, um, Uma, since she's supposed to be the lead actress, um, we see a female face, yeah, that's a little more prominent than the original, but it still kind of looks the same. I mean, the women are dressed in these weird German outfits, yeah. like the pretzel lady was still there. <laughs> like, I was, I was like, okay, they still got the pretzel lady, that's good,
1: yeah. Now, like tonally, because I think you're you're more keyed the music. The number does it feel a little bit more slowed down for you than the original? Like, um, did it?
0: Oh, I don't know. I didn't I didn't notice that. I wasn't paying attention to that. So I'm I'm gonna say I didn't re- I
1: didn't notice it. Okay. I felt like because I'm with you. There was a point where I'm like, you know what? As much as this garbage I had to listen to, <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna get we're gonna get the song. And like I said, the portrayal like on screen. Look good, and I mean, it's pretty much like you said. They're hitting the same notes as the original film, uh, maybe a little bit more elaborate and fleshed out in some some respects. I felt like they they did like whether it was like a note change, like a tempo change. There was something about it that hmm. just kind of uh, threw me off a little bit. Um, I'm I'm not gonna dwell on it too much because I can't really point out exactly what that is. I I just I don't know. Like I still in this instance preferred the original. Uh, springtime for hitler in the way that they portrayed it Mm -hmm. i think it's close enough that you can call it a tie i guess Mm -hmm. i'm still leaning towards the original because there's something about the way it's presented the way the audience reacts and things like that and just it's such a brilliant brilliant number man Mm -hmm. it's so good that i can't i can't sit on either one but i prefer the original
0: Mm. i think it, it could also be that you're just like so much musical fatigue at that point you're just like all right another musical another musical so it kind of you know by having so many musical numbers you kind of take away the magic of the important musical number when it's finally there so that could be playing into what you heard um but overall like i wouldn't say because they didn't do anything necessarily new with it you know it still it started off with the people in their to hosen and then uh to uh an aryan guy this time he was blonde haired and blue eyed Um, But it was pretty much, you know, the same thing. I didn't see anything new. So every time it's the same, I'm just going to give the nod to the original since they did it first.
1: This was it. This was like, your notes pretty much say it all. I mean, Mm -hmm. this is the 11th song Mm -hmm. in the film. I mean, if you're talking about 11 songs, think think about that. You know, because we were talking about the runtime. Think about an album.
0: Exactly, yeah.
1: And... and, (laughs) You know, like, if you have a single or something like that, like, the hit song off an album, it's not the 11th song. Sometimes it's the third song. Sometimes it's the <laughs> fifth song. But, like, you kind of want to get to the good shit <laughs> a little bit <laughs> earlier. And I just felt like, you know, you're we sitting there waiting for this, this moment where we're going to do Springtime for Hitler because this is the big masterpiece song. By the time it comes, like you said, the music fatigue is set in, especially considering it just followed, like, Break a Leg. So mm-hmm. now, now I'm just, I'm, I'm done. You got to the good part, but even, even that, it's like it's just now it feels flat. It's, it's a shame because I think if you take three to honestly four music numbers out, I'm not, I'm not throwing any of these complaints in there, but yeah. I, I, I got a complaint because it took too long to get to the, the good stuff.
0: Yeah, and I think because we've been doing so many musical numbers already, there's been so much,
1: a uh, pretty, you know,
0: well put together choreography Mm -hmm. i mean they're long as shit so i I, you know you lose me but like you know they they're able to do a lot more with the choreography for the other songs because it takes place in the real world so they can spread it out but this musical number is stuck on a stage right because it's a play so they're not able to be as elaborate as the other musical numbers so in the original film since it's our pretty much our First musical number, not including LSD's uh, solo song there, yeah. uh, but it's you know it's the first time we've seen a bunch of people singing together. We see all this choreography, you know, you see the the fucking swastika yeah. from the yeah. uh, or bird's eye view. Um, so when you see that in the original movie, it's like wow. Even though this is supposed to be a shitty play, they worked on this, you know. So it's it's impressive in its own right. But then you see it in the remake when we've already seen so many dance numbers so much choreography already it's it doesn't match it because it's restricted to being like, on a stage
1: so so basically you're saying they, they've done better choreography for shittier songs
0: yeah is exactly what I'm saying. Like you said, like the, the typewriter thing, even though I didn't, if I didn't like the musical other, it's more interesting. Using the old ladies walker things right, is, that, is really interesting. Yes. But just having walk people walking downstairs in weird outfits is not interesting visually compared to those things.
1: Yeah, see, like the original film, you're following these two characters and their harebrained scheme, and it doesn't make any sense, and the culmination of, of their nonsense. That fucking song that portrayal, that like it, it comes out of nowhere, mm-hmm. and it's phenomenal. Like, yeah, you can tell that you took like that Mel Brooks genius. All the crazy thoughts are in that man's head, and he got the chance to put them into something. And I mean, fifty whatever sixty years later, I'm looking at it, and I absolutely love it. I think it's one of the greatest things that I've seen in film. You know <laughs> and the remake the remake, you know, it hits the notes. it's it's doing it, and I'm not begrudging it because they literally are doing basically the same thing. But to your point, it's already been done. and to the, the other point is that means they could have pushed it because they pushed it on these songs that don't matter. So mm-hmm. like let's push the that should have been crazy. There should have been like fireworks and explosions and stuff like that because this is the whole reason. We're all here. It's mm-hmm. like going to see a concert. It's like, play Freebird, you know? Play Springtime for Hitler and make it count. And they do a good job, but they've, they've sandwiched it in between so much other stuff that I stopped caring about yeah. the thing I wanted to see in the first place.
0: Yeah. It's a shame. But don't worry. There's more musical numbers ahead. <laughs> I'm just going to go into the next one. Yeah, let's just go. Uh, it, it, it starts off with that one I mentioned before, that Rio musical number, but then it they cut that thank god Uh, but we still have another musical number with uh max in jail in his jail cell talking about singing about being betrayed and at this point i didn't give a shit anymore i barely paid attention to this song
1: you know what's the worst part about this song the worst part is that the song references all the other songs (laughs) that <laughs>
0: oh, yes, yes. That is the worst part of the song.
1: We have to relive everything
0: <laughs> that we've experienced already. Oh, God, it's like, well, it was fucking old video games where you have to Jesus. fight the bosses yeah. again. That's exactly oh, what it was like. We can do it. We can do
1: it. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, he's acting out all the parts. Oh, Break a leg. Break yeah. a leg. We can do it. <laughs> I'm just like, no, it was bad then. It's not good now. Can you do it again. Yeah. But trade's not a terrible... Broadway song it's a it's a good song it just happens to be the 12th song and <laughs> and that's the problem dude I'm trying to think of all the musicals that I've seen I can't think of one where I watched 12 songs maybe maybe I did <laughs> you know like maybe I'm losing it but I feel like you could do this movie half an hour shorter with seven songs and I don't think that we're complaining the same way that we are
0: no, not at all. It's, a lot of it is just fatigue at this point. It's like, just get on with it. You just want to fucking get on with it, man, at this point. And, like, do I, and it's not even like his betrayal song does anything. It's like, okay, Leo betrayed me. So you're going to bitch about it for the next five minutes? It doesn't right. matter because Leo's going to be in the next scene anyway and you're going to be best friends right. for it's pointless. Every scene, every musical is now just becoming pointless. It's like I said, just self-indulgent, just doing it because we need a musical number. We have a musical number in the Broadway show, so we're going to put it in here. It doesn't serve the story at all. It doesn't drive the story forward. You know, it doesn't need to be, does it need to be five minutes? No, but we're going to make it five minutes still. Why?
1: Why? Even with everything that's going on, they've shared less actual screen time. Like there's more interaction with Leo and like, and uh, Ula at this point Really than, than Max and Leo So like to Kind of one of the things we were talking about earlier This sort of buddy scenario This portrayal is actually there's less of it So what portrayal I'm, yeah. From what we've established With the songs and dances The Uli um, Leo connection Is something that we should be focusing on More than the Leo Max connection The only mm-hmm. thing that Leo and Max Sing together was about leo you know going against his own sort of morals and doing something for for max so again i say whatever who cares go to rio take the money because this guy was a scumbag in the first place and he tried to take advantage of you don't go down with him but of course as we know he's going to go down with him because that's i guess the story like why you know why (laughs) Why indeed
0: but don't worry, because Leah will be back in court. And don't you know, Reggie, we have another musical number to describe the relationship reunited. You missed the relationship, uh, Reggie? Well, here it is in musical form. Yeah, yeah. I really just didn't give a I, shit. I'm, I'm
1: checked out. I don't remember how the song goes. I just know that he said that. Uh, Max, he, Max was a yeah. good guy, I guess. Right. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it's pretty much uh, Gene Wilder's speech in the original in song form. Uh, and now both of them have to... Sing it, and
1: uh, let's let's just skip that one. <laughs> let's just skip this over. This the
0: movie's already over it's like two hours at this point. <laughs> let's let's move on. All right, yeah. I got nothing for that one. And then we're we're in prison because you know you go to prison for uh, right. doing that. And just like the original, we have our second song, uh, which was from the original, our uh, "Prisoners of Love." It's a great, catchy tune. Right. I don't know. It's not. It's definitely not as good as it was in the original because for a couple of reasons. Number one, right before they get sent to jail, Leo and Max say, we will never do this again in the original. And then, there they are in jail, just doing it right there. (laughs) I don't think there was that setup in the remake. I could be wrong, because I I definitely checked out, but I don't recall that. And, that's where our original ends. In jail, with them just doing that. Yeah. But, But not our remake! Not our remake, Reggie! We got them in jail doing that, and Franz is there too, for some reason. Not only... Are they still scamming people in jail they get to get released early because now they've made all these prisoners i forgot exactly like rape yeah.
1: yeah
0: they're making all these terrible people good so they get to get out of jail and then they're making prisoners of love on broadway and having success with it yeah. um uh, which i just have problems with the the ending totally it makes sense uh the original ending you know leo and max they didn't learn their lesson they're still going to scam everybody. Even scamming the warden. I, I love that. Even the warden wants in on that. Well, the warden can have 30%. <laughs> so we end in jail. You know, Nobody's learned their lesson. Bad people are going to stay bad. It's, it's comedy. Sure. Why not? But then the remake, it's like, okay, now you guys are released from jail. But they were still scamming. So now they're on Broadway. Are they? St- I'm, this is where I'm confused. Are they still scamming? Or are they actually making legitimate mm-hmm. hits? Because you have the director and Ula back. And they're still doing their shtick, kind of. Yeah. So I'm not sure. Did they learn? Are they just successful now? Are they still scamming? I. It didn't answer I, yeah, those questions yeah, for me.
1: Yeah, I, I think that the movie, or the play, whatever, whatever it, it is, the musical, wants a nice button-up happy ending for our leads, who don't deserve a nice button-up happy ending, um, <laughs> which is why the original works. Because, like I said, they go right back to doing it and even with them in jail i don't feel bad that they're in jail i'm I'm having fun with them they're clear because they're still
0: they're still scamming and doing their thing so they're okay Well, i'm okay if they're okay yeah Yeah,
1: exactly and honestly it might be a better existence for them i mean you know there's positives to it but like you said i don't understand what's happening at the end of the (laughs) remake like i'm assuming that they're now doing legitimate plays and that these are all hits but Why would that be the case, you know, given what we know about these two? Does it matter that Leo Bloom is now a Broadway producer? His dream, I guess? Like, why did they get out of jail early, you know? Like, doesn't it matter that they learn a lesson about fraud? No, no. The two guys that we introduced you to at the beginning of the film are still buddies and they are still going on. So, (laughs) yay. I I didn't get it. I would have preferred them to still be in jail Just to wrap things up neatly, um, I can tell that the Broadway production, you can't just do that in Broadway. So I guess they had a happy, kind of go-lucky ending with Mm. another music number. So whatever. Mm. I don't know.
0: Yeah, I didn't like it. But, you know, that's kind of how the movie ends. I even wrote in my notes, end now, please. (laughs) I was just so fucking tired. Um, But if you wanted some more music, Reggie, we don't get one. We don't get two. We get three more songs during the credits. I, I didn't know that. Two during the actual credits and one post-credits. Short. It's a very short one. Mm-hmm. But um, we still get one more. And Mel Brooks is in it. Okay. I don't know if you saw it. Yeah. So after the credits, you get Mel Brooks. He does he does his Ferris Bueller thing. He does a Matthew Broderick and goes, <laughs> what are you doing here? Go home. He he does that. Oh, really? So I don't know if that was enough to Ferris Bueller, but if it was, it was clever but that's at great. that point i really didn't give a shit because mm-hmm. god damn it end yeah. i can't
1: believe you like made it into the credits like I, so- oh no i
0: fast forward i definitely just to hear like is that a different song is that a different song and then i like i was i rented it on amazon so i was fast forward and i saw that oh, yeah. the last thumbnail there was an image i was like fuck i yeah. gotta see what this is so it was like it was like a 20 second song it wasn't long at all okay. and then just mel brooks was there so that was that's a thing that happened <laughs>
1: I mean, let's let's put it this way. I, I'm glad Mel Brooks got to do his victory lap because uh, this was his, uh, from what I understand, this was his directorial debut. Yep. Um, the producers, I mean, rightfully so, got an Academy Award for it. You know, like best screenplay. Yeah. It, it's it's an incredible screenplay. It's an incredible story. And when when the movie sticks to the story, it works. And when it starts to do its own thing, it doesn't. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah. we'll get around to all that.
0: Okay, so we covered all the musical numbers, covered all the different portrayals, and any deviations from the original. Is there anything else you want to talk about for our verdict?
1: No, nah, I mean, I think I think we hit everything. You know, um, mm-hmm. what more could <laughs> what more <laughs> could there be? <laughs> all right. Well,
0: uh, if you've been listening, I don't think I need to ask this question, but uh, here I go, anyways. Yeah.
1: Reggie, should this remake exist? <sighs> the broadway musical should exist it should exist because people love the story of the producers it's kind of tailor-made for this type of uh that type of medium it's clearly it's an homage to broadway to an extent it's some of the sharpest funniest and endearing political or like, not political but just satire that i've i've ever seen i mean i thoroughly enjoyed watching the original film i cannot say the same thing about the remake i thoroughly did not enjoy watching the remake there were moments where I was like, y- yes, I like this. and Yes, I like that. I like the first Will Ferrell song. Like you said, I like the intro because I was like, all right, how are they going to introduce this? And they did it in a clean, sort of tight way that I think had they've kept that sort of momentum, telling the story, adding the music, but keeping it tight, I think that I would have been fine. But like you said, it gets so indulgent and so much like it's it is truly theater it's look at me look at everything that i'm doing look at all this pageantry and the story just gets thrown to the side whenever they choose to and it just I, I didn't enjoy it um i don't think that that remake should exist maybe there's a version of this that should exist but honestly why 1967 film nailed it it was perfect it was a perfect fucking movie man so no no need for a remake
0: yeah i'm just gonna go ahead and say i agree with you there's <laughs> no spoilers there um yeah it's i don't necessarily have a thing against musicals it's not necessarily my uh genre but yeah, i could appreciate a good musical we did mm. little shop of horrors sure. you know that was an example of taking just a comedy and you know not only just turning it into a musical but you know it became its own thing right the remake of producers felt like producers were with more music it didn't really feel like its own thing because they just borrowed so many of the same old dialogue and the jokes so it's like i was reliving the experience of watching the movie but it was dragged out in a way that i felt like i was suffering almost right. yeah it was it it's exhausting that many musical numbers um each one uh just kept it felt longer than the last one, each musical number. Um, Like you said, this this would work on Broadway. But there is a reason you don't do every Broadway show as a movie, a one-to-one. Like, let's do everything we did on Broadway here. Like, even Little Shop of Horrors made changes. They cut out songs, they even changed the ending, because they're like, well, this won't work in a movie. You have to understand your medium. And, you know, by having the director of the Broadway show, I felt like that's kind of a dangerous thing, because you know, she directs Broadway, and this is yeah, this works on Broadway, so it should work in movies, but it, it doesn't. It doesn't work on movies. So, while it's probably... It's it's best experienced in Broadway, for sure. Um, as a movie, uh, did we need it? Not at all. Uh, I think just keep it on Broadway.
1: Yeah.
0: Did not need it as a movie. Little Shop of Horrors did it right. That's how you bring it from a Broadway to the big screen. You know, It was still short, and it was different enough from the source material um, where it merited... You know this should be done, but like, you just dragged out the original story and you made me appreciate it less yeah. because it just was all these stupid musical numbers in between. Maybe if it was shorter, maybe I guarantee if like the musical numbers were half as long, like it would be so much easier. But like, I don't know. You did what you did, and uh, I didn't like it, so yeah. it's gonna be a hard pass. Yeah.
1: To your point, the curb your enthusiasm stuff is better. Yeah, that I was gonna say that too. Yeah, you know, that's a funny homage to this source material. This mm-hmm. is it's an homage, but like it's not like it's not an homage. It's basically a recreation, um, which you know there is a space for that in the remake world. Um, the only problem is they didn't do a recreation. Like it, like you said, if you had taken those same two actors and basically just ran them through a one to one of the producers. I wouldn't even be that upset. Would I, would I say, I probably would just say, you know, I thought that their take was okay, but go watch the original because uh, that's where the real action is. But every time there was a joke that I liked from the original, when it hit, the next thing that followed it was like five minutes of something I didn't care about. And I'm like, mm-hmm. wow, you're killing the pacing of this really well done, really succinct story. Like you said, it's not a complicated story. <laughs> You know, failing, failing producer, uh, scammer, comes up with another scam with a kind of bumbling buddy, as it were. They pull off the impossible and make the worst Broadway show ever a massive hit to their own detriment. That's what's funny about this thing. It's like the good times were built on, like, the good, and the bad times are bad. And now they're trying to flip that and say, let's do something really bad to make the times good again. Like, it's <laughs> hilarious. I'm probably not the right person to say it's but like it might be one of the most like Jewish films of all time. Like, Mel Brooks <laughs> just really just lands that like super like tight Jewish humor that Mel Brooks is known for, that like a Woody Allen is known for, and it's just like this great combination of like sticking it to the Nazis while having a, a laugh at their expense. It's just so perfect that I can't believe they somehow found this garbage that we had to watch. Yeah
0: well yeah like in all fairness it probably works in broadway mm-hmm. you know you got the inter- intermission I agree. you know like you said you got a few drinks in you you're having a good time you're with the live audience this is great but watching it at home when two two hours and 14 minutes yeah. straight feels like a marathon man it's it's tough yeah and to your point like curb enthusiasm if you want to watch a modern sort of retelling of the producers just just watch that season occur. You'll yeah. you'll love it. Uh, Mel Brooks is in it more too. Yeah. Uh, Larry David's great in it, and we have uh, David Schwimmer and Ben Stiller playing the Leo parts. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's fantastic. Uh, fucking Larry David's trying to bang the actress playing Ula the whole time. It's it is so good. Um, watch that. I much better than this musical number. So much better.
1: Yeah, you know the, the saddest part about all of it is I can't point to. An actor and say that actor is the problem. I can't point mm-hmm. to you know certain elements of story and say that's the problem. It really is the music. The music mm-hmm. is the problem, and because yeah. because it's a musical, <laughs> it, it, there's no getting around it. Uh, it's not a great musical. No, it's it's it's
0: it doesn't work on film. At least it, sure. maybe if I saw it on Broadway, but like as <laughs> watching it on film, it's it's just not good. Yeah, sorry. Mm, that's that's a <laughs> that's our review yeah moving on the producers yeah moving on we don't want to drag it out like those musical numbers prisoners so... of this
1: movie prisoners of this movie <laughs> there you go there's the, there's a the remake i'll watch <laughs> um,
0: all right well that about concludes uh our comparison to producers uh, thanks for listening. But before that, we're of course gonna let you know what our next episode is gonna be. And since I picked producers,
1: sorry, Reggie. <laughs> uh, which, well, I picked one? Poseidon. Sorry, Dan. <laughs> well, I
0: gave that a I gave it a go. So uh, I thought that was good. But uh, what do you uh, think we should do for next one?
1: Well, somehow they took a comedy and made it not very funny. So let's. Try to watch something that's intentionally not trying to be funny. (laughs) Just live in that space. Um,
0: Prisoners of love. All
1: right, so, look, we just did, we're coming off of a sci-fi, we're coming off of a a comedy slash musical. Let's go back to just silly action. Stop thinking. There's way too much pandemic going on right now. (laughs) My take, let's do Conan the Barbarian. <laughs> if that's what the remake or the original is called. But I'm, going, <laughs> I'm going Conan. I'm pretty
0: sure it's Conan the Barbarian. Okay, yeah. Mindless action, little Schwarzenegger. Don't know the name of the guy that portrayed the re- new one. Um, Alright, Conan. Of
1: those, one of those like swole guys. It might have been like a Momoa type character. I,
0: I was going to say Momoa, but I didn't want to like be like... It's Momoa, obviously.
1: (laughs) If it's not him, it's someone like him. (laughs) (laughs) Alright, so yeah, that that works for me.
0: Alright, Conan the Barbarian it is. It is Momoa.
1: Oh, wow, cool.
0: Alright, so that's a big name. That's not just a nobody off the streets. We got Jason Momoa versus Arnold Schwarzenegger.
1: That'll be cool. Yeah. (laughs) It sure will be. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Be like, what's up? What's up, my man? Yeah, I'm coming. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. All right. right. Well, uh, thanks for listening to the episode, everybody. This is Retro vs. Remake. You know, we're on iTunes. If you you follow us there, please give us a five star review. If not, you know, if you're on YouTube, just let us give us a comment. Let us know what you think. You can also reach us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all Retro vs. Remake. Uh yeah, just give us feedback guys. We're all about feedback and improving the show for you.
1: Yeah, totally. We really appreciate all the comments that we've seen on YouTube. Um definitely helped sort of flavor my take on the show as well. So any any insight we're gonna use, um, you know, positive or not, mostly positive I hope, but uh thanks for thanks for supporting us and listening. Appreciate you guys.
0: Well that about does it. Um I'm Dan Buleck.
1: I'm Reggie Parker and thanks for listening to another episode
0: of retro versus remake
1: retro versus remake
0: it's gonna be funny because your lips aren't gonna be moving
1: (laughs) that's a good point
0: actually (laughs) (laughs) you should have just should just mouthed it it's all right uh it's okay i'm gonna stop recording now